Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks again for tuning in to this episode. I have a guest. I told you I would have a guest, and I have a guest, and it's a good one. Uh, this is this episode is with Kevin McCullough. He is a friend of mine. Uh, I've probably known Kevin for, dare I say, dare I say, six years, five or six years now, and um, he has made a big, big impact on my life. Uh, actually, when I was going back and thinking about it, uh, I've had the opportunity to sit down with him many times, and um. Just every time that we talk, it's a deep conversation. We go deep. There's no holes barred. Um, it's a really, really good time connecting with him. And that's what this podcast ended up being. So uh, I wanted to say thank you, Kevin, for joining me. I really, really enjoyed uh, I, like this podcast and this conversation. I left feeling very uplifted and uh, just positive. And you're the man. Uh, so if you guys want to connect with Kevin, you can... Uh, he he mentioned connecting with him on LinkedIn. It's linkedin.com slash in slash McCulloch Kevin. And then if you want to uh, check him out on Instagram, it's uh, my underscore coach underscore Kevin. And uh, this is all in the liner notes if you need to reference back to it. But uh, thank you guys again for tuning in and enjoy this episode with my friend Kevin McCulloch. How are you doing today, sir? I'm fantastic. Really happy to be here. Happy to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really happy to be connecting with you too. Um, I just wanted to say, and I say this on the podcast a lot um, to any guests that I have on, uh, I just like to gush about how much I love the people that are in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this morning I was thinking about... Uh, I was thinking about you and all the different ways that you've helped me and the different times that we've hung out and just like what you do with the float center and everything and the different conversations that we've had. And I'm just really, really thankful and grateful for, um, you know, for your presence in my life and uh, just who you are. And I know that you've made a really big impact on me, even though, you know, maybe we've we're not like best friends or anything like that, you know, don't hang out all the time. But, um, the times that we have had really made an impact on me and I just, I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I, I feel similarly. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunities that you've created for us to connect. Um, I always leave those conversations and those experiences feeling uplifted, feeling, uh, connected, feeling inspired, you know, you have great energy about you. So I, I always appreciate coming into contact with that. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, it's, let, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, you, you have a very good energy about you as well. And uh, I was actually thinking about how when this quarantine is over, whenever that may be, and we can actually see people again, um, you're one of the first people that I would love to get a hug from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, how do you, and I guess this is just like, let's, we can go ahead and jump in. Um, how have you cultivated this, um, you know, your presence and your energy and like how, how, what do you do to, what have you done to cultivate 
you know, your demeanor and your energy, but then also how do you maintain that? That's a good question. It's a nice opportunity to reflect on the process. Uh, you know, you can just kind of arrive in a place and not have, um, space to consider, you know, how you got there. So I appreciate that. Uh, the, the way that I've gotten to now, you know, in the beginning, it was an unchosen path. It was something that was uh, brought about, uh, introduced through pain and suffering, I would say. Um, and, and in that pain and suffering, I uh, was kind of forced into a space of uh, needing to develop some skills. And, and those skills were in the um, effort to regulate feelings of uh, anxiety, depression, fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going through a difficult time in my life and I was experiencing a great amount of, of pain and suffering. And up until that point, you know, this was when I was 28, I hadn't spent much time developing those skills. And so as I encountered this anxiety and depression and, and pain, um, I really need to figure out how to work with that. And so I started to work with, uh, you know, learn about and practice uh, mindfulness and meditation techniques. And, um, you know, ultimately that helped me to become more aware of my experience. Uh, it helped me to become more aware of what I would call uh, embodiment, you know, be, mm. living, being inside my body. And um, it helped to bring more awareness to uh, a quality of presence or quality of mindfulness um, that allowed me to kind of take inventory and um, through intention, through choice, mm-hmm. to be able to create change. Um, so that's that's kind of how the whole process began. Uh, but I think what I what I return to on a regular basis is that there there's no end point. Yes. on this journey, right? There's no conclusion. There's no uh, championship. Uh, it's just, it's a journey and it's a process and it's, uh, there's always more that can be discovered and, and there's always more that um, can be understood. So that's one thing that I really enjoy about it is um, I can always go into that experience of myself. Um, there's, there's an infinite amount of moments and, you know, I like to kind of gamify things in my mind. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in some ways it's like, okay, of these infinite amount of moments, how many can I be present for Mm -hmm. these infinite amount of experiences? How many can I be present for? And I, I just want to be here in the now experiencing my life as it's happening. Um, because in that deep place of pain and suffering, you know, I, I reached a point where it was, um, probable, you know, that my life would end. And so it's kind of, it's all started and continues from this kind of cherishing and this gratitude of, of what is and being present to what is. Yeah. Yeah. So did, and, and I've, I've heard this, the story about, you know, how you were close to death or, you know, when you were in that pain, um, 
was is that something that you come back to like you know is it something that you think about every day and that like kind of reinforces this thought of presence i guess you kind of said that already well yeah i mean it would be nice to say that it is but i, I think similar to connection with presence it's something that that comes and goes you know there, mm. there's times like right now in this conversation and i think that's what i alluded to earlier you know these opportunities to reflect um but then sometimes it's just Tuesday afternoon and I'm stopping, you know, at the grocery store and, um, or the day is very full. Uh, and I don't wake up and consider, you know, the nature of my being or the, uh, you know, the gift of my existence. It's more of yeah. uh, running errands and taking out the trash, these types of things. So, so there's like the, ma- the micro, um, just the daily routine monotony. Uh, that we can fall into. And, and then there's the moments when we do remember the moments that we do recall uh, and uh, we get kind of filled with, with resource, I think. And, and so that's, what's nice about a, a practice of presence or a practice of mindfulness is um, allowing us to step into that resource and experience living fully as fully as we're able to. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, what you were saying about running errands and, um, you know, I think you see it a lot in people, um, in traffic, you know, when we're going somewhere, we're going to work or we're trying to get somewhere that we're late for and there's something that we can't control like a traffic jam or um, a wreck or, or, you know, a car accident. And I used to be the type of person that like, I, I, when I was younger, I would get very frustrated, you know, I didn't have like... I mean, I had a temper. My temper was a lot worse when I was younger. Um, But as I got older and I kind of started to practice presence and practice meditation and mindfulness a little bit more, I find myself slipping into those more, okay, well, when I'm in traffic, I'm in traffic. And that's just what is. And that's where I'm at right now. And I can't do anything about it. So there's no point in me uh, letting it get to me and get angry and... uh, rage and honk my horn and like pound on the steering wheel and I used to do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) and and I guess for me it was always I was worried about the consequences like well I'm gonna be late for work and they're gonna be upset and that's like part of the the people-pleasing part of me and I guess you know now I've kind of gotten to the point where I was like if somebody's upset because I wasn't because of something that I couldn't help then I guess that's just what'll happen. But a lot of times that wasn't even the case. It was just a story I was making up in my head. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You were, you were fast forwarding into the future and playing out whatever the scenarios were. And, you know, I, I also like to focus a lot on optimization um, and results. Right. So I have, I have that side of me too, which is very present. And when you think about, uh, the power of presence. Um, you're sitting there in the in the car, and, and you're pounding on the steering wheel. You're anticipating that future experience, which may or may not take place. And and in those moments of uh, anger, uh, you know, you consider that situation, and, and really, in what ways is the release uh, of that anger uh, supporting you? In, in what ways is that contributing to a positive result um, is the anger actually helping, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think when when we're 
in a place outside of presence, it's not that there's anything wrong with being angry. Anger is an emotion and it's functional most of the time. But when we're in a place uh, outside of choice and, and outside of awareness, then we tend to function in uh, habitual reactive ways. Mm. And, and those aren't necessarily the most helpful uh, actions. They're just the most readily available ones or the most uh, deeply ingrained ones. Um, but when we can create space uh, of awareness through presence, then we have opportunity for choice. And so, you know, in that moment mm. of uh, releasing to anger, you know, are there other things that could have been more helpful to be attending to? Are there other things that could have helped to solve the problem? So I, I really like, I do a lot of, um, you know, coaching work these days, similar uh, as you're, you're practicing as well. And, um, you know, I like to talk about it in terms of, of that because we're all out in the world uh, having these experiences and we're using our mind and we're using our body as we kind of navigate reality. Um, but ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to have deep, rich, meaningful experiences and we're trying to be wise in our decision-making processes. And um, if, we're, if we're just functioning out of kind of reactive habitual actions, uh, a lot of the times we're, we're not getting positive results and, and that's going to be, you know, reducing like our happiness quotient. We're, we're creating more problems for ourselves. You, know, you, you do some road rage and, uh, you know, then someone starts following you and then uh, you have to deal with that, right? Like that, we, we don't want to create more suffering and more conflict. Uh, we just want to try to find our way to more positive results. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I uh, you know, now that I think about it, in those situations where, I, and I just use traffic because I feel like it's the <laughs> most, uh, it's, it's an easy example, but I've found myself trying to um, focus on, okay, I'm going to, if, if I'm in a traffic jam and it's, it's at a standstill, what is uh, my, could, should I listen to my favorite song? Should I call a friend um, that I haven't talked to in a long time? Or maybe could I just turn on my phone and start, um, I, I do a lot of like uh, voice memos where I just maybe share what's on my mind or my heart and talk into my voice memo and uh, that it's very good. It's sometimes they turn into podcasts, but a lot of times it's just like a catharsis for me to do that. And I think that kind of goes along with like, you know, what you were saying about instead of getting angry, uh, that using that time for like optimizing that time or that moment. And I guess I never realized that the way that you put it was much more eloquently. <laughs> I guess I just never really knew how to put it into words. There's a, um, a guy named Ray Dalio. Uh, he, he, he's written a couple of books now. He's like a really successful um, business person. And he, one of his recent books called Principles, and he, he comes out and he talks about all these different ways of, of being that he's learned over, you know, the entirety of his career. And, and he just kind of, he's really great at communicating and he does it in very succinct ways. But one of the things that he says that really sticks, stuck with me is, when you experience pain, reflect, mm. right? So, so most of the time, you know, if we, if we stick with that uh, stuck in traffic experience, you know, we experience that pain, whether that's the fear, whether it's, um, 
you know, self-judgment, you know, how did I get to this situation again, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, so instead of just being angry, which, which really doesn't solve uh, much, you know, instead you could use it as an opportunity for reflection to try and understand how did I, how do I find myself here? How do I find myself in this familiar position where, you know, seemingly there's going to be um, adverse consequences. And I feel like um, the, the situation is out of my control. I think that's what I feel when I'm stuck in traffic, right? I cannot move. Um, and I, I can't change that. I'm surrounded by cars. It, it doesn't feel good, right? Yeah. And so, but somehow I've gotten myself here, right? Did I, did I not leave enough time? Uh, did I forget about the appointment? Whatever that is. So, so if I can uh, take any time that I'm experiencing pain and reflect on it, uh, you know, the idea would be that you could find yourself encountering less moments of pain and less suffering uh, by learning. Absolutely. I, I, I really, really like that. Like, you know, so I have always been, um, and I've talked to you about this before a long time ago. Um, I've always been a very introspective, like self-reflective person where, um, there's this, uh, Saturday night live skit. That's like, uh, it's a, Fisher Price toy for sensitive boys, and it's just like a wishing well that they can stare into and <laughs> and think and be pensive and reflect. And <laughs> it's 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 totally a joke, but I wish I would have had one when I when I was a kid. It's not even a real thing, but that totally hit me because I can just literally, even in my apartment, I can just stare at the ceiling for hours and be entertained by my own thoughts and reflecting on. Um, and, and sometimes, and yeah, even judging myself sometimes, but like just reflecting on where my life is, where I've been, where I want to go, what, where I'm at right now. And I've, I've wondered like, what's your take on, um, you know, so I ask myself a lot, is everyone that way? Does everyone have the ability to self-reflect how, or, and if we do, you know, is it just is it just something that some people are more in that place than others? Or um, for me, it's something that I've cult that I've like recognized and I've been aware of. And over time, I've like I notice it now, and I notice that not everybody is that way. Like, how do we cultivate that? Or you know, or how uh, do you get what I'm trying? The question I'm trying to ask. <laughs> I think so. I, I mean, I think what what we what I could say about it is that we know that the, the brain has an ability to reorganize itself through a process of neuroplasticity, right? So as we continue to engage in a practice or a behavior, we're actually strengthening or reinforcing the, the pathways in the mm -hmm. brain um, to make that a more available and uh, more accessible and more familiar uh, process. And so, you know, who knows what the, the origins of that are for you or yeah. for anybody or, or necessarily why we're different. I'm sure someone smarter than myself probably has figured that out. But, but what we do know is that, you know, how I would understand it is that in some ways that that act has been functional for you throughout your life. And um, so it's a familiar process that you uh, go to and you return to. 
and it serves a function and it, it gives you something, something of benefit. And so it becomes uh, a regular part of your experience. And so maybe for other individuals who cultivated another way to um, process or uh, refocus or whatever that might be, you know, maybe that introspection is less available to them. But I think, I think the important piece it, to remember is that it's just like a muscle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, you can train that muscle with repetition and with practice. And over time, because of that neuroplasticity, um, we can kind of consciously choose to change our minds, to have them operate in a different way. You know, I think that's, that's important for people to take home because um, sometimes you hear someone say, oh, well, that's how I'm, I've always been. Yeah. Or, um, you know, anger runs in my family or something like that. And, and it's a very kind of like passive uh, defeatist way of, of putting control outside of yourself. Um, but that doesn't have to be the case. You, you can make changes uh, in ways to improve your thought processes and, and improve your experience. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, Have you heard of this book, uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by uh, Joe Dispenza? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Yeah, he he talks similarly about what you just said about like the neuro pathways and the brain like shifting to create new new ways to to think and and that it's it's this muscle that you that you use and um that that our body um and and our mind kind of work together to create these habits of like well this is how I've always been I've always been angry or I've always been this or that. And um, he's kind of trying to help people create new path, like break the habit of, you know, his, it's been a while since I've read the book. It's been maybe a year, but it's like, he talked about how when you get to be in your early to mid thirties, you have become every, the sum of every experience that's ever happened to you. And so at 8am, if you check your emails every day and it makes you anxious, then you naturally will get anxious every day at 8am, whether you're checking your email or not, like you're looking, you're your mind or your body is looking for something to be anxious about and to break that habit and form something, you know, a new pathway is, is his whole thing. And I thought that that was, it was a really powerful book when I read it. Um, but like I said, it's been, it's been a while now, so I can't speak to it as well as I used to be able to, but, um, I recognize that as well with, uh, my big thing that I've been talking about and, before I hit record, we, I was catching you up on a lot of the changes that are happening in my life, um, personally, professionally, um, just it, it really, it's actually really exciting because it feels like I'm open to a lot of new possibilities and um, in a way that my it seems like my life is starting over in some regard, which is really cool. Um, and I have been, I have always, for most of my life, thought that it was good to, um, and I don't want to say good or bad. I don't want to make like a judgment about it in that way, but I've always put other people's needs before my own. I've always been a helper. I've always like wanted to help people solve, solve their problems or take care of their needs or do something for them that would make their life easier. And now I'm 37 years old and I'm like, I think it's time to, even with my business, I did this, you know, I, 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 I got to this point finally where I was like, I think it's time for me to take care of me and put myself first 
And so I had to break all these habits of like feeling guilty about um, doing things for myself. The idea of being selfish and um, that, you know, saying no when somebody needed my help, that that was, would be selfish of me when it's like, if it's something that I can't really do, if I don't have the time or if I don't even feel called to do it, then, um, you know, if it doesn't, you talked about truth earlier, you know, if it doesn't resonate with my truth, I was doing a lot of these things that, um, that didn't line up with, I feel like my truth. And I had seen a lot of those in business or in relationships those things always kind of seem to, I don't want to say backfire, but always end kind of sour. Yeah, because I think probably, you know, uh, on the inside, right, you, you always know that truth, even if on the outside you're, you're making decisions and actions that go against it. So you're creating this um, tension and this incongruency from, from what you know to be true internally and, and what your behavior is demonstrating externally. And, and that can be managed and sustained for a period of time, but that tension will continue to build until it, it ruptures. Mm-hmm. And then that's what would cause, you know, the, the ending of a relationship. And so as you can operate in it, like a understand more clearly the truth from the inside, right? What is, what is your, your driving, uh, vision? What's your driving motivation? Um, what makes you happy? Uh, you know, connecting to that essence and then as most authentically as you can using that as an expression of your being and being that out into the world, you're, you're removing that, that tension. Yeah. And so you just get to kind of be right. And, but there's a learning process. Um, you know, and I think for most of us, we, we grow up, we learn, um, the way of being that works. And and usually we learn it through, uh, our family, right. And we look at our role models or our caregivers and we try to figure out, uh, you know, there's a whole, subset of, of psychology called attachment theory mm. and it and it has to do basically with how we attach to each other in relationships so we watch that modeling from our caregivers and we learn this is what allows me to remain connected to you right and, and so how i remain connected to you is i'm a provider i'm going to provide for you and because i provide for you you can't separate from me so i'm going to discount my needs in order to satisfy your needs and in satisfying your needs, uh, I can ensure that you will not, uh, abandon me or reject me or disconnect mm. from me. And that ensures my survival, right? So that's kind of the model. But then you get to a point, like you said, where you, it's become so, um, so much, uh, contrast between what you know to be your truth on the inside and the way in which things are, are presenting on the outside that this rupture happens. And, um, but then you have to learn that it's safe and that people will accept you and people will connect to you once you move in the direction of your truth. And that's, that can be kind of a a learning process, but as you learn it and you connect to it and the security and comfort and confidence grows that like, look, I can be me. I don't have to take care of people. And actually by being myself and by expressing myself, I'm going to attract people 
to me and to my life in ways that are going to support me and take care of me. Uh, you know, that's such a great gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I have seen that, um, you know, even though I, I have a lot of these people pleasing tendencies that, that really resonated with me when you were talking about that, like meeting other people's needs. Um, I always like have, uh, I don't know if it's a fear, but it's this, I want people to be happy with me. I want them to be, I want to be in good standing with the people around me. So sometimes I would overextend myself to do things for people that maybe I didn't really want to do or that weren't really coming from the heart because I just, a fear of them thinking poorly of me or something. Well, if Wes doesn't do this, then he's a shithead or something, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fear of rejection. Fear yeah. Of judgment. Yeah. And, and as, as I've, uh, actually over the last week or so, I've been able to practice a little bit more of politely saying like, no, I can't do that. Or, um, or it doesn't even have to be, I, I keep, you know, I found myself in that situation last weekend with something where, uh, someone offered me an opportunity to do something that I didn't want to do. And I thought, well, I, I don't really care. I don't want to do it, but I, maybe I should give this person an answer as to why I don't want to. And then I kind of even thought about that. And I was like, there doesn't have to be any other reason than I just don't want to. And if they, if they get upset about that and I didn't tell them I didn't want to, but I just said, mm -hmm. you know, no, I'm going to decline. Um, but if they said, got upset about that, then that's kind of on them, you know? And, um, I have every right to say no. And I, I, I you know, a few years ago, I probably would have just said yes. And then been stuck in this commitment <laughs> of right. I didn't want to do for so long. And, and I'm finding a lot of freedom in expressing that truth a little bit more, even though that's kind of new for me. Um, and where do you feel like, uh, and this might be going kind of deep into spiritual sense, but like, uh, let's go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you feel like our truth comes from? Do you think all of us come into this world with some kind of purpose or lessons to be learned or, you know, that we have a soul and that's our soul. Um, it, you know, our truth is, uh, is our soul in a way? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, that's a deep question. Uh, and a really good one. I, I know that what I know was that during the time where I felt uh, most vulnerable and, and most um, at risk of losing this life, I seemingly out of nowhere came into contact with two truths. And before this time, just to put this in context, I was not uh, spiritual. I was not engaged in a, a meditation or a mindfulness practice, you know, it was about as far from all of this as you could imagine. So these two truths showed up and it wasn't anything I had been studying or, or cultivating. It just showed up into my awareness. And, and those two truths were that the purpose of my existence was to be in service and to give and receive love. Mm. And it was very clear. Now, I don't, I don't know 
where I was before I arrived. I don't know what happens after, you know, Kevin uh, departs. But that was very, very clear to me. And in that moment, I also knew that the, the manner in which I had been uh, living in at least, you know, the, the second half or the, the later half of my first 28 years was not one that I felt was satisfactory um, to this gift of existence, right? There was a lot that I was um, unhappy with mm. uh, in, the, in the way that I had been living my life. And so I guess what I take from that and, and what I have pursued going forward is I want to continue to discover, you know, and dive into my truth. Um, I want to find ways to increase my awareness uh, so as to understand better myself and others. And then through that, uh, building up my internal resources, I have the opportunity to be in deeper service and, and to give and receive greater amounts of love. And what I found is that it's added such a deep richness to experience, uh, such a deep reservoir of contentment and uh, purpose and connection and love. And so that I think that's about as much as I've come to at this point is that it's it's much more enjoyable, it's much more interesting, and it's much more meaningful to, to practice in this way than I think what was happening before was kind of an, it was kind of like a blind searching mm. for comfort and gratification. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that just, it always seemed to end with, uh, continued hunger, uh, deficiency, you know, like it, I never felt full and, and in this way of being, I mean, you know, as long as I can remember, right. As long as I can remember what I know, I, I can exist in fullness and, and that's a much more, uh, wonderful place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with what you said with, uh, you know, the gratifying and, and the kind of insatiable hunger. Uh, I've went through that in, in different phases in, of my life. You know, when I was, uh, in my earlier, tw early and mid twenties, probably all the way through my twenties, you know, just drinking a lot and partying and, and, um, I, you know, I'm a fun, I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have fun and I feel like I was always just searching for like the next fun experience, mm -hmm. but that was always the, you know, after one experience was over, there was always the next. And then even recently here with everything that I did with Treehouse and everything that kind of came through that experience was, um, you know, there was a lot of, there was success there, but it, it wasn't, um, uh, it, it was the same. It wasn't like lasting there was every time that, you know, it would come in waves. There would be times where I would make a lot of money and then it, it just wouldn't last and, and it would feel good for a minute, but then, uh, it, it would feel 
fantastic for, for a little while, for like a month or two. And then, uh, it would be right back to the hustle and grind of it. And now I'm finding more purpose in just being Wes Hoffman. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Because being Wes Hoffman is enough. Yeah. It's, uh, and it, it's taken me a long time to realize that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. At least, uh, at least it's happening now, right? You could, yeah. maybe you've lived through many lifetimes, uh, you know, searching for this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I mean, it, it's taken me, I have felt like, I mean, even going back to the people pleasing thing, like I've felt like I've always had to do something and it's, or do something extraordinary or, or mm. that, something that gained a lot of attention. And, um, that, that doesn't necessarily make me happy. Right. Right. Because, you know, it's easy to forget, right? So you can, you can focus on, on the future of creating something extraordinary, but once that takes place and once that's in the rear view mirror, you know, then what? Yeah. Right? If your value is only being created, um, you know, through these different, uh, experiences. So once that one's passed, it needs to be replaced with something else and, and usually it needs to be replaced with something better. Mm-hmm. So I like this idea of in this moment, we are perfect and we can also improve, right? So we're improving from perfection. We're not improving from deficiency. Mm, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Because now is, I mean, it's, it's kind of um, like now is the only thing that exists in this moment, right? And so a lot of the discomfort we experience is when our minds have um, choicelessly been traveling to the past or the future. So you know, uh, reflection, it, like you were talking about, can be uh, helpful, uh, it, enjoyable. You can remember, you know, that great time. I, the other day, I was uh, my dad's 70th birthday a couple of years ago. Uh, he and my two brothers, we went on a bike ride through uh, the mountains in Colorado, and, and uh, we were talking about it. And, like, you know, we were remembering that. And it was really pleasant, really enjoyable. Um, that type of past experience is much different than uh, laying in bed, you know, at night, uh, one o'clock in the morning and replaying all of the events of the day to try to better understand, you know, uh, how it is that you're uh, a horrible person, right? Yeah. And and the same thing with future focused, right? There's always space um, and, and helpful need for planning and organizing, um, and you can do that in a productive way and in an intentional, choiceful way. Uh, but if, you know, as I'm sitting here having this conversation with you, I'm already thinking about what's happening later on tonight. You know, yeah. there's a there's a good portion of me that's not here. And if if the joy and the richness of experience is coming from being in the present, um, being in the present is, is where it's at. So, um if we're going to plan and organize, well, let's get down to it. But even if, you know, we could be in a planning and organizing meeting and we could still be in the future 
outside of that planet. You know, we could be thinking about the next meeting. <laughs> yeah. Right? You know? And so, and I think a lot of the, the, you know, mental, um, mental disorders or, uh, emotional discomforts, whatever it might be comes from living, uh, like a focus of attention outside of the present moment. Yes. Yeah. So whether it's depression or anxiety, um, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping ourselves away from the richness of what is. And, and when we're here in the present, we're able to fully uh, receive all of that, you know, sensation and, and wonder and awe. It's, um, so that's what kind of drives my interest to, you know, how much of that richness can I get hungry for it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, something that you touched on that I I used to struggle with this a lot, and I still do sometimes, but not as much as I used to, is when I would post something on Instagram or uh, Facebook, and it was something that you know was something that I really believed in or that I thought felt strongly about, and I would see that certain people saw it or liked it or commented on it. I would start thinking in my mind, oh, I wonder what this person thinks. They saw it. What what judgments are they making about it? They mm. probably think that I'm stupid. You know, going playing this whole like scenario in my head. And now um it's taken a lot of work, but and now I still do that. I was even doing that just a little bit earlier today, but I I was thinking about, you know what? It doesn't matter what other people think, and I might never know what they think. I'm making this all up in my head. I know that this is like something that's true for me and I'm comfortable with sharing these things. And if other people are uncomfortable viewing these things or consuming whatever it is that I'm putting out, then again, going back to like, if they get angry or they, they think I'm a shithead, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know why I like that word so much, (laughs) 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 then, then that's kind of on them. And I, you know, it's back back to that people pleasing uh, thing of you know not necessarily living in the future or the past, but like I've always had a big imagination, so I will imagine mm. what I think other people are thinking, and that has kept me from being the truest version of Wes Hoffman that I feel like I can be because I am worried about what other people what uh, judgments other people will make. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, switching gears a little bit, I, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, this is a fantastic conversation. Uh, uh, you know, we're all, this is really interesting right now because every, th- this coronavirus and this quarantine mm. has really shaken everything up with the economy and people in our social lives and our professional lives. Like what are, what's your perspective on, is this waking people up? Um, is it helping them see parts of themselves? I mean, we're seeing some people are getting really angry and protesting and then others are, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very social extroverted person. I'm a physical touch, hug my friends type person. And that's a part of me that I really miss. But, um, you know, how do you feel like this is affecting people? And are you seeing, you know, I guess I'm just kind of asking for your perspective on how this is like. Uh, affecting everyone on a collective level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we like comfort 
and I think, you know, I, I like to often uh, view things through lenses of comfort and discomfort. Mm, okay. And, um, you know, comfort is pleasant. Discomfort is unpleasant. And um, there's aspects of, uh, you know, certainty versus uncertainty, security versus insecurity, and control, you know, versus absence of control. And in some ways, how we experience reality, um, like a lot of our discomfort comes from how we uh, feel about how we experience reality. So even going back to being stuck in the traffic jam, you know, the reality of the situation is that you're in the traffic jam. Um, how you feel about it and how you uh, code it, how you interpret it, how you respond to it, uh, changes the experience. And um, I think going through this uh, quarantine, shelter in place, you know, the fear of the coronavirus uh, has been very upsetting for a lot of people and it's been uh, disruptive for a lot of people. We've changed our routines uh we've changed our relationships right and there and there seems to be very little certainty about uh what is to come you know very little uh like an absence of um anticipation where before you know we we might have gotten to a place where we believed we knew the future Mm mm-hmm um, when in fact we never have. Yeah. Right. And so I just see it mostly as a removal of illusion in some senses. So, you know, uh, like just getting into kind of like, um, a more heady aspect of this, uh, you know, when you think about things on an existential basis and, um, how it is that we're moving through our lives, um, the, fi- the finality of our life, the um, inability to escape death, right? Um, the randomness of, uh, of death in some ways, it's, it's terrifying. Like if you really consider it, it's terrifying. Basically, you know, the risk of living, yeah. the, the, da- the danger of living, right? And I think... I think this experience has reminded us of our mortality. It's reminded us of our fragility uh, and our vulnerability. And I think that's upsetting, right? We don't want to believe that, um, that things can be um, so disrupted. We don't want to believe that we can be so vulnerable. You know, when I was mm-hmm. when I was 28 and I, I experienced that uh, medical emergency, you know, the week before that, in my brain, uh, I was immortal. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even go about my daily life considering when I or if I may ever die. It had literally never crossed my mind. And and now I think for all of us at the same time, we're, we're really uh, being forced to consider our ways of being. And, and also understand that there's forces uh, that have the potential to 
disrupt our ways of being. And I think it's, uh, it's upsetting. And, and so what I like about, you know, a, a practice of presence or a practice of mindfulness is this idea of, um, it's kind of like metacognition, right? So just like you were talking about awareness of your awareness, mm-hmm. awareness of your thoughts, uh, awareness of your feelings, so it's one thing to, to, to have awareness that you're feeling about this situation in a certain way and, and to be able to separate yourself um, as I, not identifying, like, I am those feelings, I am those thoughts, right? It's uh, a part of me is afraid that this, or even a part of me is having a feeling of fear around this situation versus... I am afraid, right? In this kind of absolute way. And so if we engage in this practice of of mindfulness or practice of presence, we can witness the arisal of those feelings and witness the arisal of those thoughts. And we can look at them and we can play with them and we can understand them. We don't have to accept them. We don't have to allow them to uh, completely encapsulate us, right? And just be gripped by fear. Um, th- there's a function for fear. There's a function for anger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's when they, arri- they arrive without our awareness and um, they then inform our behaviors and, and choices and decisions without uh, you know, without our awareness, without our intention, I think that's where the, the, the trouble comes from. So that's where we get a lot of this kind of um, hyper-reactive behavior. I think that's where we see a lot of rage. I think that's where we see a lot of misdirected, um, you know, I see blaming as a, a really like a, a call for uh, need for security, right? Yeah. Somebody, somebody tell me that somebody's in charge. Somebody tell me that someone's in control. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, what we're coming into contact with here, just like what I experienced, you know, when I was, uh, you know, 28, it's like, you know, the reality is, is, is that, you know, anything could happen at any time, anywhere. And, um, trying to take, take that idea as a positive, right? And, and so there's a practice, I don't know if it's like a Zen practice or whatever, but it's, it's this idea of the, the broken uh, teacup. And, you know, you have this teacup and it's not yet broken and you imagine it broken. Uh, at some point in its existence, it will be broken. Yeah. And in imagining it broken, you appreciate it and you have gratitude for it in the present before it's broken. And so with the understanding that everything changes, everything is lost. Um, everything is, you know, at some point or another, or completely, I guess, depending on how you think about it outside of our control, you come back to what is with me today, right? I woke up today, my eyes opened, I felt, the you know sensation of my breath in my body. I looked over and saw a loved one. Uh, I I got out of bed and felt my feet on the floor. 
I smelled and I, um, you know, could smell these flowers and I heard these birds, like all of those gifts are here now and they're not guaranteed for, you know, forever. Yeah. So it's, it's about appreciation of the present. And I, that's kind of how I try to come back to it. Um, because whatever's happening, you know, uh, you know, a lot of it is beyond any of our individual control and that's a scary thing, but it can be turned into a, a gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. I always think about, you know, that I love the teacup il- illustration and I always think about my car. How many times every single day I've went out to my car, it has started and I've had this car for 12 years now. And nice. one day I'm going to walk out there and it's not going to start. Mm. And, and I'm going to be, I could either be upset <laughs> yeah, or, or I can be like, I can thank it. I try to thank it every day that I started. I'm like, thank you so much for starting. Like I, I'm, I'm thankful because I know that one day I won't have this car and I'm going to be thankful for every moment that I have it. Um, and then, uh, but we take those, it's so easy to take it for granted, you know, yes. it's and and, but the minute that it doesn't start or your internet, the minute your internet goes out, mm-hmm. you start getting all crazy and it's like, but we don't, we're not thankful for every single day that our internet has worked at lightning speed <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm guilty of that too. You know, my internet was really slow last weekend for some reason and I kept having to switch between like my Wi-Fi and, and my data and I was like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. D- damn you, Spectrum! <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. But. I think I think that's that's why it's it's a practice, right? You know, it's um, it's easy to, to it's easy for those things to fall out of our awareness, right? Just going outside and and feeling the breeze. Or, or the other day, I heard the wind moving through the leaves of the trees, and it was such a beautiful sound. Yeah, right. And, and to just receive that um a smile on a friend's face or the sound of your laugh right like those are really really um rich and enjoyable things and if we practice we can recognize that our life is filled with those there it's all over all the time and it's Mm -hmm. always available to us and i think in the moments when we become most lost um it's difficult for us to see any of those things. I think that's when, you know, things become dark and um, things become isolated. Uh, We lose connection and it's hard to find any sort of joy or brightness in our existence. Um, So really, really making a practice of like resilience that I'm surrounded by all these gifts. And if, if anything, right, we need that resource to build us up, to deal with adversity. It's not like we we deny adversity because, oh, it's Pollyanna, everything's fine. Yeah. You know? It's not like all the problems of the world go away. But if we're going to deal with adversity and if we're going to deal with conflict and we're going to deal with struggle and we're going to deal with pain and suffering, why not fill yourself with the resource of these gifts so that you can persist, that you can uh, sustain no struggle because life is also a struggle right it's mm-hmm. difficult it's painful yeah there's a lot of a lot of loss involved they think that's the other thing people are experiencing loss yeah and and, and loss comes with grief and grief is uh an extended process absolutely and and it's not a 
um, some, my, my grandfather passed away earlier this year and, um, somebody at my job actually told me, she was like, you know, grief is not a linear process. It's not yes. like, Oh, well, Wes, you'll be fine in two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, even I have a, my other grandfather passed away. I guess it'll be almost nine years this year. And mm-hmm. I still have dreams about him. I still get sad that he's gone. And, um, you know, and I, I have good memories too, but it's like, it's something that's not just like a straight line that's like, okay, we'll follow this path and it'll be, it'll be over. And I think that, um, one thing that I wanted to go back to is uh, that you said about the illusion of certainty is gone for a lot of people with, um, you know, us sheltering in place and everything is that we don't know when we're going to go back to work and we don't know when the economy is going to open back up. And if it does, if, you know, all of a sudden things go back to somewhat normal, there's this thought in the back of our minds that this could happen again in, and you know, I think it's, uh, that's something that has definitely shown me on, on a larger scale, even though I've continued to work and, um, uh, even though it's from home uh, and there's more limitations on me, it's, and I always felt like, you know, practicing presence and things like this. I, I had, I don't want to say more of a grasp, but I did have a grasp on the fact that like, Nothing is certain, <laughs> maybe more than most people that like, you know, with all the different jobs that I've had, I think it's, e- it's very easy to fall into that, uh, mindset of, oh, well, I'll have this job forever or, or I'll be with this person forever or this, you know, I'll live in this house or this place for forever. And that, and to remember that, um, what I'm really experiencing now with this, the, all these transitions and changes that are happening in my life is that. People come and go, places come and go, things come in and out of your life. And that's, for me, I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's change, right? It, it creates opportunity. Um, everything arises, uh, you know, from a point in which it, it did not previously exist and everything uh, falls away, right? And that, I think that's the other pract- part of the practice, right? If you pay attention to uh, a feeling, an emotion, or a thought, there's a point in which uh, you did not have that feeling or thought, and there will be a point in which that feeling or thought has subsided mm-hmm. uh, with, mm-hmm. with or without effort, right? And that's both for you know, what we would call positive and uh, negative uh, thoughts and emotions. And you know, th- there can be a, a time you know, for like a just thinking about like risk management, right? There can be a time for anticipating. I've been doing a lot of that, you know, with this uh, situation, trying to gather information, um, come up with possible scenarios and uh, establish like a plan A, plan B, and and make sure resources are in the, uh, you know, helpful places and information is getting communicated appropriately, all of those types of things. But that's functioning in a, in a very, in most of the time at least, not perfectly, but in a very intentional yeah. and, and choiceful way, right, to be productive. And when I'm with, uh, say, I'm on the phone with my parents or I'm talking to my wife or I'm, uh, you know, trying to enjoy a walk in the park, um, if I'm still engaged in that process, uh, in an unchosen way while I'm also engaged in this other process, that's when it's not helpful. Right. Yeah. It, and I think it's just heightened because of the 
kind of sudden onset of, of the situation. But um, it, really, you know, there's a book uh, by John Kabat-Zinn. It's one of my uh, favorite books, you know, and, it, and it's uh, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. And, and the idea, right, is that, um, that we're taking it all with us. So if, if you're going to, to be walking in the park, you know, for that period of time, allow yourself to walk in the park, allow yourself to feel your feet on the ground and hear the sounds and see the sights and smell the smells. And then what you're going to be resourced from that in a way that when you return to do the problem solving, you're, you're going to be much more prepared, right? Then if you thought about it the whole time you were in the park and then thought about it there, you thought about it at dinner, you thought about it while you're sleeping, you thought about it when you woke up. I mean, that's when you're going to get burnt out and mm-hmm. you're going to run into like, you know, some uh, mental and emotional fatigue. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Kevin, I love our conversations. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I really enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> th- thank you so much for, for spending some time with me. Um, I want to be conscious of your time. Um, where can people find you online right now um, if, they're, if they wanted to connect with you? That's a great question. Probably the easiest place to find me would be on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, and I can, it's, uh, it's LinkedIn.com uh, and then it's uh, my last name, McCullough, first name, Kevin. Um, you know, I do work with the uh, Float STL, those two locations. And then I'm also doing um, coaching uh, with, you know, professionals, helping them to create change and transform their life from more of an embodied uh, position of, uh, kind of a uh, mindful cognition, I would say. Mm, I love that. I love that. Awesome. Well, um, I can't, like I said, I can't wait to see you in person when all this is over. Um, And I'm really grateful that we had some time to spend together today. And uh, I'm I'm definitely, I'm I'm vibing high right now. (laughs) Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, come in for a float and we can uh, hang out and chat afterwards. It'd be Uh, nice. I definitely will. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, yeah, I've definitely missed the the floats and have had some really. We didn't even get into floating really on this podcast, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I've had some amazing experiences uh, floating, and uh, I, that was one thing that I was actually thinking about the other day that I'm really looking forward to uh, have doing a float whenever uh, whenever I can. So. Um, yeah, thanks again, Kevin. I'll, I'll have this up in a couple of days and I'll make sure to, uh, to notify you when, when it's up and I'll tag you on the socials and everything. Awesome, Wes. I appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Much love. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Wes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.